welcome to SlayerFest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and joining me today is my lovely co-host, writer, Philip Ellis. Hello. Hi, Philip. Hello. It's great to be here, as always. Um, and we've got two fantastic guests to talk about uh, Buffy with us today. Uh, first of all, we have an actor who you can uh, see very soon uh, on Dr. Death on Peacock. Dominic Burgess. Hi, Dominic. Hello. And we also have a political reporter and White House correspondent. Eugene Daniels. Hey, everybody. Hello. Lovely to have you both here. Uh, yeah, I both. I feel like both Dominic and Eugene, both of you, I've been like, we've, we've been talking about having you both on. Like, I've been talking to each of you, and it's nice to finally get you both on because I was excited. And uh, Eugene, you made my day today with the, like, when you quote tweeted it, saying it was one of your most exciting podcast appearances. No, I, no the most. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and probably the most exciting thing I've ever been on. <laughs> it's just I didn't want to hurt people's feelings on Twitter, but it, like I've never, as a like Buffy nerd, I've never been more excited to join something, and I'm very nervous actually about messing it. I'm like, what you like? <laughs> <laughs> I know it doesn't make any sense, but this this feels like more pressure because I do. You know, it's a show that you actually like really, really. I'm obsessed with. <laughs> Did you hear your own intro? You were a White House correspondent. I know, I know. I know, I know. It doesn't. It's, it doesn't make any sense, but. <laughs> Here we are. Uh, we have the White House correspondent and Umba himself with us. Like we exactly. should be nervous. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would be. I just have to mention that Dominic also uh, was in the Magicians, which is, as everyone knows, like one of my second favorite show next to Buffy. Yeah. So I like. I feel like we got really stacked guests here. I'm really excited. Um, Eugene, would you like to go first with your Buffy origin? Sure. I am 32, so I watched Buffy from the very first time that it came out, like episode one, season one, um, I was watching, uh, we were lived in Miami, Florida at the time. Um, and I just remember being obsessed with one vampires. I've always loved vampires. They're very sexy. They're, very, <laughs> like, they're always kind of queer feeling. Like they always feel like, you know, they'll hang out and date and kiss whomever they want. Yeah. Um, and it just was a show that like, you know, it really spoke to adolescence and, like all the monsters at the very beginning kind of spoke to the ways in which you were feeling when I was a, I was a kid that was bullied. Um, so all of those aspects of it, of feeling like you didn't have any friends and all that, and then finding like a weird little group of friends, a Scooby gang, like that all felt very like, and it really hit me in the in the feels from from day one. And I, I mean, I still, I, buy the, I bought all the comics that just came out too. So like my <laughs> obsession has continued into my adulthood. I still have the DVDs. I just rebought all of them on iTunes. It's, an, it's a serious, a macro obsession as we call it in my house. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if you've um, seen any of the podcast covers I do, but I also collect a lot of Buffy stuff, so yeah, I yes. feel you. <laughs> uh, Dominic, would you like to give us your Buffy origin? Yeah. Um, I grew up in the UK, and I feel like I didn't catch on to Buffy until maybe early in the second season uh, because I would race home and I would watch uh, Next Generation and X-Files and, and stuff uh, when I got home from school or in the evening and I feel like on BBC2 or on Sky One, Next Generation wasn't on one day and they put Buffy on instead and I was like, what's this? Mm. And then I was hooked and I feel like, I feel like my first exposure was around innocence kind oh, of time wow. and it was it was like oh this feels so mature and adult and i <laughs> feel like oh I, I like this um and then i was hooked and then i retroactively went back and i hunted everything down and then oh man i was 
I was a terrible teenager because I would wreck things for myself and I would troll the internet for spoilers and just because I was hungry <laughs> to know what happened. And I'm, I'm the antithesis of that now. Now I don't want anything spoiled ever. Um, but as a teenager, I, I would be like, oh my gosh, I have to find out what happens, what happened at the end of season two, what's going to happen. Um, and it's, I, I just loved the storytelling and it's, it's one of those shows, you know, along with Star Trek and, and the X-Files and Twin Peaks that were, was so formative to me growing up that yeah. made me want to become an actor and move to Los Angeles to mm. pursue acting because I just loved that form of storytelling to compare to everything else that was going on in England. That, you know, it's funny. I always say that I think Buffy and X-Men, but like are the two reasons why I wanted to write. Cause those were like stories. It was like, Oh, you could tell stories like this that like take themselves seriously, but like are fantastical and whatever. Um, so yeah, I, and it, it's funny that season two was when you got in because so my mom who is, 74 turning 75 this month was like really into Buffy when I was a teen. (laughs) And I remember I would, I was that nerd that I'd like push up my glasses and make fun of her. But the first episode I like saw was Buffy killing angel in becoming part two. And my mom crying and me being like, are you crying watching Buffy? And then suddenly I was like, Ooh, this seems good. (laughs) Like (laughs) my parents were so obsessed. They got it from me that we started watching it together. There was a period in the second season where they not, they wouldn't let me watch it anymore because (laughs) it was too violent. And then I made them watch kind of the end of season two and they realized, you know, the good people win. And so I, then I continued to watch it with them growing up when it was on UPN um, or or WB at the very beginning. And then, and then hopped over to UPN and we watched it as a family. So it became like a bonding thing on Tuesdays. That well, so uh, my mother would get like very Puerto Rican when she would watch Buffy. <laughs> so I hit a point when I was like, okay, we can't watch this together because you are talking way too much. <laughs> oh no. Well, my mom loves to talk while watching a show too. So I feel your pain there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like, I would watch in a different room, but then like commercial breaks, I would like go over to where she was and we'd like talk about <laughs> what just happened. And like, I can remember going after like Tara was shot, going over to see her and she was crying and I was crying, <laughs> but then like racing out of the room because I didn't want her to talk through the rest of the episode. <laughs> Um, but okay, so we're here to talk about season seven's Never Leave Me. Um, I will say, like, I know season seven, well, actually, Eugene and Dominic, I'm going to ask you both, uh, what are your thoughts on season seven? Because I know it can be a little polarizing. I'm a season seven apologist. So okay. I know there's a lot of people who didn't love season seven. Um, my only issue with season seven, it was, it was the end of Buffy. <laughs> that was my only issue. I really enjoyed season seven for a couple of reasons. One, it was like, T, it it resembles the rest of TV changing. Like at the very beginning of the show, all of the episodes, they have like the monster of the week kind of formula. And this one wasn't like that. And also Mm -hmm. it also felt like it was a perfect explanation of growing up. Like when you're in high school, like one thing could ruin your whole week. And it's just one thing you're dealing with and it never goes away. But then as an adult, it's kind of like one big thing that you're just always (laughs) depressed about. Right. Like, so it felt like it was a really good, um, uh, metaphor for life, like as they grew up, and you know they had a you know some great characters that kind of threw everything at the wall for a lot of it, um, and I think that Buffy really came into her own 
in it. And I was one, I'm one of those people, even to this day, I will go on whatever journey the the creator or the writer or the director. <laughs> I mean, I'm still watching Grey's Anatomy eight million years in. So it's like, <laughs> I'm dedicated. I'm whatever your vision is, I'm in. And I think like that for me, Buffett just was such a huge part of um, my childhood. I think it ended when I was maybe going to high school. So um, like right on to go to high school in 2003. Um, and so season seven is actually one of my favorites. I have the book, The Chosen Novelization. I have um, that too. Seven. I love it. Oh, <laughs> such a good photo of Sarah on the cover. Um, so, so I think like all of it was, it was, a, it was one, it's one of my favorite seasons. So people who don't like it, I'm sorry, but get over it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Eugene. So that book, they have, when they like, the way they wrote Anya's like final scene. Oh, is like so heartbreaking because yeah. it's her talking about like remembering her marriage and everything. Yeah. And then she gets, and I think about that a lot with like, that scene's already heartbreaking because yes. like, who doesn't love Anya? But then yes. I, I always think of it with that, like the interior monologue they wrote for her for that scene in that giant ass book. Um, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> I tried to, find, I lost it for a while and then like in moving. Um, mm-hmm. And then I finally was able to find it online somewhere and spent like, 40 bucks just <laughs> insane looking I, back but I, was, I just love it so much i love that it exists i love that <laughs> dominic how do you feel about season seven i love season seven i'm right. uh again i'm i'm all for the ride i love um serialized storytelling hmm. um and i think season seven is is where it really was i, I really noticed it just watching this episode as a, as a refresh, because normally when I do a, a Buffy watch, I'll go from beginning to the end or I'll tear through a whole season. Mm. And so I did notice just watching this episode on its own, which I didn't because I watched the next two afterwards because <laughs> I was like, then I was in it. Um, but I, I realized how this episode in particular didn't really stand on its own per se, mm. that it was part of a larger whole. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think uh, Eugene put it so nicely that um, it was a perfect analogy for, for adulthood that, that now all these things are, are building. And yeah, the, the only thing I, I think I didn't enjoy so much about the season was the new Sunnydale high. Um, oh, really? Yeah, it felt, I, I don't know, I feel, and this might just be me being crazy, I feel like I would have maybe even rather than say, oh, we rebuilt the old high school to the old specifications. And uh, <laughs> I don't, there's just something about the look of the high school that I was just like, oh, I don't, I don't like the look. It's very glossy. The, <laughs> yeah, there was, yeah. I don't know. Maybe if it, it almost felt like a soft reboot, like they were bringing in this <laughs> new element way too late in the game. Um, That's fair. But no, I, I love it. And I'm so glad that Faith came in at the oh. end because she's my favorite and one of my favorites. And yeah. And I, f- I uh, the, I the like soundtrack. who love Buffy love Faith, right? Oh my like, God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I play quite frequently the, um, the music from the last episode, you know, as everything is collapsing, the oh my gosh, I it's on a it's on one of my soundtrack um, like playlists on my phone, and it it pumps me up if I'm gonna be like, yeah, I'm gonna go rowing, I'll play that and I'll pump myself up to that. Um, <laughs> You'll tell yeah. someone to get out of your face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But okay, so we're here to talk about Never Leave Me, which I do. 
this is an episode that I very much... Season 7, I think, is the season I remember most watching live, because I feel like at that point I had it down to a science of making sure I was home to tape the episode, taping it, but also still watching it, and then we'll rewatch it immediately after on the VHS tape that I taped it on. Um, and I remember, you know, the episode before this, Sleeper, is kind of... We focus a little too much on Spike, I will say, is an issue I have. Because while I love Spike, I don't love the trigger and figuring, like, I'm like, eh, come on, keep moving. Um, but it feels like this is, like, where the plot, like, conversations with dead people feels like the kickoff to the story for the season. And this feels like, oh, shit's happening here. Um, like, we're get, we're getting, you know, Anya and Xander with Andrew and, you know, Buffy with Spike. And I just, I, I really like this episode. And rewatching it, there was stuff I had forgotten about that I love I there's a lot of stuff that I liked in this episode, but it is it was a strange experience re, when I rewatched it just to refresh my memory for today. It was a really strange experience watching it because this is the the point in season seven when I actually don't remember what happens in what episode because it's so heavily story um, serialized as a story yeah. that this episode doesn't really have a clear beginning, middle, and end. It doesn't exist as an episode of television. It's just the next sort of chapter in. The ongoing story i feel like conversations with dead people is this amazing sort of experimental uh structure within the world of buffy that then as you say kicks off the main plot but exists very much as its own thing and mm. then everything after that is basically just one long story and you have some self-contained uh things within that like um storyteller for instance but basically we are now just on the, re the rest of the season is going to be one long slog of story to get to the finale. Um, and, and that's no bad thing if, uh, like Dom, you know, if you're saying, like, if you're binging it, uh, it's great to just get swept up in that story and be along for the ride and bring in all the potential slayers and have just one <sighs> crisis and conflict after another. Uh, I really, really do like that because I'm the same. I'll, I'll, you know, I had to resist the urge to kind of then go on a season seven binge after I watched this. Um, <laughs> it's just as an actual hour of tv um it's structurally very strange because it's just here are some st here's some stuff that's happening we're still reacting from next week from last week we're setting things up for the next week um and there's no actual real story being told here it's just sort of characters reacting to stuff and then they hit a cliffhanger and, and it's over <laughs> <laughs> well, so speaking of that, we do open on them kind of fixing the living room because it's still a mess from conversations with dead people. Um, but I love the thing they do this season a lot, which um, going I, actually they had to do a lot on the magicians as well, Dominic, where they have to like, ooh, a lot of shit has happened. So we have to have the characters kind of telling you, <laughs> reminding you a little bit mm -hmm. of what was going on. Um, and I think, I don't know, I like a lesser show might not have done it well, but I do think Buffy and the magicians both do it really well. We're like, we get Anya and she's like, shouldn't we stab him through the chest? Isn't that what we do? Like being all <laughs> shitty about it. Which I love, right? Like, and I just, I appreciate when it's the Scoobies jokingly recapping, but they're like being shitty about it. I don't know. That's, that's pleasing to me. I think as a like way to recap without having to like have them sit down and be like, here's what happened. I agree. Like when Don is talking to Willow and she's like, didn't he kill all those girls and bury them in the basement? Maybe they're all over the place. And it kind of reminds <laughs> you of how bad, how bad, um, Spike is at the, this point. I also think this episode is like a, like this is how TV shows are now, like just like one long yeah. movie. 
right? And so yeah. I think, you know, it was well before its time in that. And that's actually how I prefer to watch TV. Like I like I want I don't want to be able to like jump in and listen watch one episode and like know everything that happened. The same thing with music. Like I like albums that feel like one thing, like one story all the way through. Um, I'm also a Beyonce fan, so that tells you a little bit about, <laughs> <laughs> it tells you a lot about like how I like to listen to like engage with my media. And I think this episode is so good at that. And then there's always the you know, Andrew comes back. Um, actually, it's like the, the the original gay throuple of television. <laughs> Warren and Andrew and Jonathan kind of being back together. <laughs> and just like engaging and like Andrew being trying to, or Andrew trying to like touch Warren and all this stuff. Like all of that stuff was really, is like really speaks to me that they were a fun group for me. So one thing I did actually really like at the start of this episode was when Anya says, um, you know, do we need to be worried that William the Bloody is back? And then it cuts to somebody that we think is yeah. in the black duster, which was very expensive, he says later on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I will say, I know uh, some people feel also, I, Andrew can be polarizing too, and I get it, because like maybe Jonathan deserved Andrew's story because Jonathan was like the only one that was kind of like, he felt regret about what they were doing early on rather than, Andrew, who did not, but I think Andrew is very enjoyable to watch on screen. Uh-huh. Like, oh, I, I understand. Love him. Right, it's also dis- like a redemption story, yes. which Buffy loves, like the show loves to do a redemption story. Yes. And he's the queerest one, so that's why I was so excited that he like, came back, because like, he's clearly he clearly came out at a different right. time um, in seasons eight and nine if, there was a, if the TV show continued. So he, he always really spoke to me, and I love him, and the actor's also really fun on Instagram now. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. And I- Actually, I saw on Instagram uh, the three of them got together recently, oh, and yeah. then Sarah Michelle Gellar photoshopped herself in. Uh, <laughs> they were like, where was my invite? Um, <laughs> and I just, I love Tom Lenk uh, as a, an actor and a performer. Um, and if you, um, he, he does uh, Luke's for Less yeah, on his yeah. Instagram page <laughs> where he'll um, sort of uh, replicate red carpet looks with whatever he's got in his house. So it's like, uh, wallpaper and wrapping paper and string and he's so creative <laughs> and I gotta say we I, I am like friendly with him and one time we went out for drinks and he like <gasps> casually so mentioned Sarah and I was like did you just casually mention Sarah Michelle Geller to me hanging out with her <laughs> he was like yes that's what I was talking about <laughs> I was like you can't just breeze by that with me <laughs> something I, I did notice in this episode and I think it's because um, more, more recently I've been doing a lot more writing and, and directing and, and sort of producing films and, and stories is I ne- now I'm watching a lot of these shows how small it was in terms of the locations they used. They were pretty much inside the house Oh yeah, <laughs> the entire time. There were a couple of scenes in the school, one in the butcher shop, but for the most part, it was a real bottle episode in terms of budget. I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is a budget person's dream. They're just inside <laughs> the location for seven days. They'll save that <laughs> budget for the CGI at the end of the season. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I 
when Buffy does go to other sets, it's like, oh, it's like almost jarring when they're not just like in the house or in the school or walking down that one street in Sunnydale where they always <laughs> right. walk down. Especially <laughs> this season when, I mean, this episode really did remind me of how much of season seven is just various people tied to chairs in different rooms of Buffy's house. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is accurate. Which, what a fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Honestly. Honestly. So, post-credit, we get Andrew talking to the first um, as Warren, as Jonathan. Um, and I like that they... <laughs> Jonathan says as the first that him being anemic made it so there wasn't enough blood <laughs> to open the seal, which is so ridiculous, and I love it. Um, then we get the credits, and we cut to Robin Wood, who we hadn't seen for a few episodes in the season. Um I'm reminded of how fucking gorgeous that man is. Oh my god. Uh, he is yes. fine. It's insane. Like <laughs> one of the most beautiful people now. on the he planet. It's the same now. It's crazy. Yeah, black don't crack is what we like to say. <laughs> um, and so and that he is like a perfect example of that. He was one of my favorite and has continued to be throughout the season despite, you know, the issues he runs into later with Buffy. <laughs> one of my favorite characters one because he was like the first black person that like really stuck around for a long time other than Kendra um and also because he was just like so mysterious and it was like fun to have like the hot black principal who was very mysterious and we didn't know what was going on like that was really fun did you think he was evil because I remember thinking that either yeah I thought he was either like working with the first or was like the same thing that happened with Spike was happening with him where like what my theories were on him like, I thought he might have been a watcher, maybe, like, sent by Quentin Travers to, like, like be around Buffy. And the more we, in this episode, when we saw the watchers again, I was like, oh, I'm right. But obviously, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but so we get, uh, he's reprimanding these kids. And I feel like he's even more attractive when he's being quietly uh, <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> um, but I do love that Dawn knocks on the door to kind of, like, give, like, an excuse as to why Buffy's not there. And she's like... She was vomiting, and then she vomited some more, and then she said it was coming out of both ends. Uh, his delivery of, thank you, that was very <laughs> helpful, was is like really good. Uh, and then, like you said, Eugene, we cut to the Watchers Council. Dominic, I have a TV question for you for this. Oh boy, I'm excited. It feels wild to me that all... Like all of the watchers that we had seen previously are back for like scenes where they have maybe one line. I think the one older dude doesn't even have a line. Uh, that's like not that common, right? That you can get all those actors back for like two second roles. Uh, gosh, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, they wouldn't have known about it in advance. Probably they might have got a phone call maybe three weeks in advance to say, hey, is such and such available for one scene, one day? in three weeks time uh and just by happenstance they might have been able to figure it out but Mm. also it's an it's an actor's dream to uh well i like it uh when a show (laughs) calls you back unexpectedly uh Mm. you know i i I died at the end of season two in the magicians and i was like oh man that's sad (laughs) and then when i got the phone call to be like hey magicians want you back for season four i was like oh my gosh i'm so excited um so yeah, I, I guess. And, you know, why not go back? If Especially right. if you're a fan of a show, then... Uh, yeah, get that paycheck. Because I, I, I didn't realize that, because one of those watchers isn't... Like, almost all of them are the ones we saw in Checkpoint in Season mm-hmm. 5. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. one, of them, one of them is the other watcher that we saw... Um, God, Philip, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, the... I think he's from the season four episode. Oh, who, uh, are, who, you? Are, who are you? He's one of like yeah. the, the shadier, like wet works people. Is that right? Yes. 
Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, I, but I, and it was like, he was like really like scolding Faith and telling her that she was yeah. a grace. Yes. That guy was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Um, I just, I, Buffy always did that pretty well, which I always liked of like bringing back side. I mean, like, you know, like even Jonathan, who was a side character, was, you know, brought back and like harmony comes to mind, right? Like <laughs> the show always did that pretty well of being like, ooh, let's bring this actor back, you know, and keeping it like in c- continuity or whatever. I always liked that. Yeah. And what they, um, when they bring someone back, even if they just have one line, say in, in this episode and they had more stuff before, um, I think or certainly how rules used to be, they're contractually contractually obligated to keep them at the same billing. So they couldn't reduce them to like a co-star or a smaller role. They'd still have to um, keep them on the same credit that they were on before. Um, And I think likewise, if you you kill off a series regular and then you bring them back as a special guest star, I think they still have to match their original rate that they were on oh, on the know. show. Um, huh. Yeah, so... so I, guess, I guess that makes sense then. If like, oh, you don't want to bring me back, I got paid this, and here I have, you know, two words I say, but I get paid the same? Sure. Uh-huh, right. exactly. I would, I would go back for that paycheck. <laughs> me too. I'd, yeah. go back for, I'd go on Buffy for free if they bring it back myself. <laughs> oh my gosh, me too. For <laughs> so, the fun conversation that Buffy has with Quentin, I mean, this guy let's be honest, deserve to get like exploded at the end. Because <laughs> no! After, after season five, where Buffy <laughs> finally puts him in his place and he like he realizes, okay, there is no like telling this girl what's what. Like she is the boss. He's just right back on his bullshit and he's like, oh, the girl suspects nothing. I'm I'm the I'm the patriarchy and this is what we're gonna do. And it's like, oh fuck off. Uh, no. I had I mean, forgotten. To, I had forgotten until my rewatch that they did know what was going on, right? But like, didn't fucking like, tell her. How does it serve them to not tell the only active Slayer who isn't in prison what is going on? It's she's the only person that could do anything about it. And if their right. job is to save the world, you would think they would tell her that the world is about to end. I mean, for me, the the Watchers Council was always this like sick obsession because I hated them, but loved that they're around because I've always been obsessed with politics. Um, (laughs) And all that bureaucracy is so fascinating. And it shows you how much like people who are in charge, like these old white men being in charge of much more powerful women. It's like one, the perfect explanation for just like earth and like how we (laughs) operate. And then also like this, like it shows like how bad if you like, you don't communicate with the people actually doing the work, how bad it can end up right when they end up, you know, having an issue at the end. I don't want to get all the way there, but like, if you don't tell the person that can save everyone, then you everybody's screwed, right? And so I think it's just the perfect explanation for politics, honestly. Oh yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're a great um, analogy, and we and we said I think I was on the episode um, when we talked about helpless back in season three, and it's basically like yeah, they are just you know the the patriarchy sort of as a as a macro. Yeah. Um, but, and they suck. Yeah. <laughs> also, just like incredibly frustrating to watch. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, uh, I've actually been watching the show Evil. I don't know if any of you have watched it. No, no, not yet. But I hear no. it's good. It is good. It's definitely like worth it, worth a watch. Um, and 
the, the, my biggest issue is always like, ah, this show has the same problem like Lost had, which is another show I love, where like these characters aren't like saying what's going on when the other ones aren't around. And if they just did, the problems <laughs> would be solved so much easier. But like that's TV, I guess, right? Yeah. Like, More communication, guys, and, that, and everything <laughs> will be solved. That's what that, yeah. that's what all these shows are telling us. <laughs> so we get uh we we see that Buffy has Spike tied to the chair in her bedroom. He's going through withdrawals. Um she's kind of like talking to Willow about it. Um, and like saying that he had been feasting on people, blah, 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 blah. But then we cut to Andrew and I do, I, I think this scene is really funny. <laughs> okay, so before we get into that, can I just say one thing I don't like about the scene with Willow and Buffy? Yes. When Willow's like, want me to kill Anya? Those, and, and when Buffy like contemplates it, those two women are fucking rude. <laughs> i appreciate that willow stays on mission of i will never like Anya. literally <laughs> yes i do appreciate that willow you just killed a man chill out <laughs> you have no legs to stand on i love both those characters so much but i do love how much willow like cannot stand anya because oh my that, god that feels real right but like yes. she hates this person that actually like she shouldn't really hate, but like we all have someone we like can't stand. I feel like, <clears throat> especially existing on Twitter, where like you see someone <laughs> speak, like, oh, this motherfucker, but really you have like no reason to like strongly dislike this person, but like you can't stand whatever they say. So, like, I have a theory about this. I have a theory about why Willow will always hate Anya. Okay. And because Anya represents her guilty conscience because Anya only exists within the world of the show because Willow cheated on her Oz. Huh. Hi. And that is all I'm going to say on that. <laughs> 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 um but so we get uh the first as warren kind of try egging andrew on and i the the like weird reveal where it's like cut her deep cut her quick and he's like what if she squeals and then we see it's a fucking pig <laughs> very good Which has less blood than jonathan would have had just to put that out there right i was thinking that i was like <laughs> Even if he's anemic, he's still like a human being. A human being with more blood than a, yeah. a tiny piglet, which is what <laughs> we are looking at. <laughs> uh, well, just as a side note, I'm always here for ghost references, the movie Ghost references. Again, just like it wasn't it wasn't canon, but they are querying Andrew when uh, Warren's from a reference is Star Wars and his is Patrick Swayze. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I love his like what he yell? he's like that'll do pig and then lunges at the fucking pig and still misses <laughs> uh, i yeah i just i i think tom lang's delivery of a lot of these lines of like how silly he is just like i i think andrew is a breath of fresh air in the season because while i don't like hate the season i do think we needed i mean we get too many potential slayers but we needed a character like andrew to bring in to make like He's not taking this apocalypse too seriously because he doesn't kind of, he's kind of like a dumb dumb, but like an enjoyable to watch dumb dumb. And I think they definitely needed that character because even someone like Anya has a better understanding of what's going on, right? Mm. So like, while she is the funny one, she just, she's understandably more stressed out than she would normally be and isn't as jokey as she would normally be. But I still like... This episode also shows us how well the two of them work together. Oh, yes. Oh, mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. Um, but so, like, you know, we get him. He can't. He goes to a butcher shop. Um, I, I like that the butcher calls him Neo, making fun of his jacket. 
Uh, he gets his blood and he runs right into Willow. And what happens, Philip? Oh my god! So I remember the first <laughs> episode of this episode screaming at that moment because I think it was like a cut to break as well. It yeah, it, it yeah. Mm-hmm. That. Like if you were Andrew and you just ran into Willow, you would, really would shit your pants, wouldn't you? Right. Oh yeah. And it's so funny because he clearly thinks she's still evil. It's only like several scenes later. He's like, wait, your hair isn't even black. (laughs) (laughs) That whole brilliant scene where she basically just like drags him by his ear out of the shop and like throws him against the wall. And 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 he's like, oh, she witch. No, like you have no power here. And then she's like, okay, like calm down. And it's just like, it's just the funniest. body slams him into the wall. It's just, I mean, yeah. Willow pretending to be evil is just always good television. Like Doppelganger in season oh, three, absolutely. I think is the one where she's like pretending to be her vampire self. Like she's just like Allison Hannigan always does that really well. So I think that her the like one minute of that <laughs> yeah. this episode was so good. And then the, the, the sweet little okay at the end, we're like no, <laughs> exactly. I, I also do like that she because she's trying to do like you said, she's trying to act evil, and she's doing what. Andrew was just doing where he's like, oh, well, I'm being protected by forces. And then she's like, pushes him and she is like, well, I'm a powerful she-witch or well, witch. <laughs> like she's like still trying to do the like exaggeration thing. Um, and I actually think that those two actors work well, like opposite each other too. Um, I mean, I think Tom Lank does a good job with most like, works well opposite most of the women on the show, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he, like, so you're absolutely right that he did sort of bring like a nice, uh, sort of new injection of energy into the the final season. I feel like because a character like Xander would previously have been the audience surrogate, where he's like the everyman who's making the pop culture nerdy references. Right. But even Xander is just like so world weary at this point that he doesn't serve that narrative function anymore. So it's yeah. great to bring someone new in, even just to like usher the season, like the show into its last season. Um, yeah. It's just, and, and he is like in literally every single episode of the show moving forward now until it ends. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good choice. <laughs> yeah, I looked up a trivia and starting this episode, he's in every episode till the end. And then starting next episode, the actor who plays Kennedy is in every episode to the end, which oh, is so good. Wild. Uh-huh. <laughs> but oh, like, wow. they really, I, I, they really crowd the season, but I, I don't mind it as much as other. I know a lot of people hate it, but I don't. I don't, I don't like, because like you look at shows now, there's always eight million people in yes. shows now, and it's like, okay, guys, let it go. But like everyone here serves a purpose, and yeah. they might pop up, you know, three episodes later, like um, fine ass Robin Wood, but they will <laughs> come back. And speaking of fine yeah. Nicholas Brendan, when he's like putting, when they walk, like when Willow walks Eugene. in with Andrew, look, yes, so hot. Putting I that put window the same together. Thing down. <laughs> so, like in the t-shirt, and then he put on that orange jacket, which was really sad because I wanted him to be in that black t-shirt the whole episode. It's so good. Like he's, I'm like, damn. Okay, um, Xander. Say this podcast episode is starring four gay men without saying it's starting <laughs> four gay <men. laughs> Every man was like hot. Every yeah, that one's also hot and hot. Him hot as well. Yes, because you know what the the um, costume designer said that lots of times he like looking back when he looks on season seven, he thinks the women are wearing things that could be worn now, which I do agree with. Yeah. But like the men, because it was in style, are like clothes that are way too baggy that he Oof. would never dress men yes. in. Yes, and it's weird because that one scene, he's suddenly wearing a well fitting t shirt. Right. But then, like, yeah, like you said, he puts on that jacket and it's immediately back to, like, way too baggy. Yeah, back to um, dumpy, whatever outfits that we all, well, 
Yeah, I guess I wore a little bit of dumpy outfits yeah. in the 2000s as well. I probably did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that shit is coming back on TikTok, and I hate it. Not as far as, see, this is why I'm not on TikTok, because of shit like that. I refuse, <laughs> I refuse to not wear tight pants ever again. Oh my god, right? <laughs> I'm like you in their legs. <laughs> exactly. I would never engage in like the Janko coming back situation. Just not doing it, everybody. Um, yeah, do, do we then get, is this the scene where they're interrogating Andrew? Is that right? Well, so they, Willow brings him back to the house. Xander looks great. Uh, <laughs> if they, yeah, this is when we cut to immediately they're tying him up. And I, I love, I know. So I have issues with, I, I talked about this in the episode. I hate, like, we, I know that Xander is problematic, but I still don't think he would have left her at the altar. And I almost wish Xander and Anya had gotten to be the happy couple hmm. for, like, mm-hmm. the rest of the show because they do work really well together. And this, like, she's doing bad cop, he's doing good cop. I just, it works for me. I don't know. It's, like, silly because, like you said, she's like, he's like, oh, that that jacket's new. And she's like, oh, is it expensive? And just throws it on the ground and stomps <laughs> on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very very fun scene and like and even later on where she slaps xander by accident and she's like i'm sorry i'm sorry and it's like i bet you, I bet you enjoyed that i bet you enjoyed that because i would but she's, right, so, like, she's so good this is this is when i think if you weren't already in love with anya this yes. is an episode where holy shit she's so good in it her bad cop the slapping the all like all of it and also getting to watch them go from like enemies back to kind of friends and then they go back to sex buddies and then finally kind of falling back in love for the very right. very end like all of that um kind of starts in this episode for me and so when i was re-watching um for this to remind myself i was like oh this is so good but also so tragic because i know what's coming <laughs> yeah i know it's next. so heartbreaking they work so so well together yeah um yeah. i I, rem- I i distinctly remember um because i i, I liked anya but I distinctly remember the moment that I completely fell in love with her was in the body when she just has that moment oh, of not uh, understanding. Yeah. Yes, yes. She just doesn't understand. And and from that moment on, I was like, oh, oh yeah, she's she's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I say this all the time, but it's wild. Most of these women didn't go on to have like very successful TV careers. Yes. But like, especially her, because she is, like you said, Dominic, that, scene is like she should have earned an emmy for that scene but like mm-hmm. she's like that scene doesn't even like anya's mostly like funny and that scene she was able to be completely serious while still being like childlike in her naivety mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. emma caulfield has the range she just does <laughs> like she, she to have some kind of like happy endings bitch in apartment 23 kind of sitcom where she got to yes. really show off just how great and charming and hilarious she is oh she would kill one of those type of shows I, I also did get a thrill when I saw her in um, WandaVision. WandaVision? Yes. Like, I got so yes. excited when I see her. Like, out of all of the, not of all of them, but out of most of the folks that have ever been on this show, like, seeing her again in anything yeah. is, like, really thrilling. Because I do yes. think she's one of the most talented people that was ever on the show. And I was so sad yeah. they killed her. So I sad. know. Still <laughs> sad. <laughs> uh, so we get that scene. She slaps. She, I, her slap is also really good because it's like very <laughs> silly TV slap, but it's yes. supposed to be because she's like doing her bad cop shtick. Um, then we get they leave the room. They they like reconvene with Buffy in the bathroom, and now we're gonna have a scene reading uh, from 
Surrender Your Sons author and Slayer Fest 98 co-host Adam Sass as Buffy, Pen15 and Broad City writer Gabe Liedman as Xander, and Crystal from Drag Race UK as Anya. <laughs> Did you see that? I actually made him cry. You were perfect. I was worried I overdid it with the whole easy way, hard way thing. No, you were great, and I wasn't sure if I should slap him, but then he made me want to slap him, so I thought, okay, slap him. Uh, he'll be singing in no time. Uh, so what do we do now? Now, we let him stew in his own juices for a bit, then we give him the hard brace. Right. What's the status with your guy? He's not talking yet. We'll get there. How's your guy? The weasel wants to sing. He just needs a tune. He's primed. I'll be pumping him in no time. Uh, he'll give us information soon. I love the whole, like, back and forth when he's like, she's like, oh, the canary's about to say, he just needs a tune. And he's like, we'll be pumping him in <laughs> no time. <laughs> which oh, pumping is, him for information? So good. Which is it like at least the third time they've the Buffy writers use the like pumping joke because <laughs> Buffy says it when she goes to see Spike in the musical. Xander says uh-huh. it here, and Spike says it later about Principal Wood. Mm. Like he's like, "Oh, I'll be pumping him," or I think he maybe says pounding him, and then he's like, mm. "Wait, I should have said this." And it's like, "Well, no, that was a <laughs> we'll take the first interpretation." It's, it's season seven of the show. The writers have like been on the internet. They know what fanfic is out there. They're going- <laughs> We're going to give you just enough breadcrumbs to launch, like, a magnum opus of smut. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Buffy goes back to talk to Spike. This, I... Dominic, what do you think? I I want everyone's opinion on... The issue I have, which a lot of listeners get mad at me for, is I do love Spike, but when they talk about their relationship, it'll be like, you did this thing wrong, you did this thing wrong, but we never address the sexual assault. And, mm. and I don't like that we dance around, oh, well, you used me. And like he can tell her, which I do think is a very good line when he says, I've come to redefine the words pain and suffering since I fell in love with you. But like Buffy rightfully is like, how could you say that? And he it, and she's like, you're feeling sorry for yourself, Spike. And he's like, I'm feeling honest for myself. The, the, the scene works because they're both such good actors, but... I get a little annoyed at like, we're talking about it, but we're not talking about like the worst thing. Um, huh. Yeah, Dominic, Dominic, how do you feel about? I'm going to open this up to something that irks me in general as a storytelling technique. Um, I, I get frustrated when writers make characters flip from good to bad to good to bad to good to bad to good to bad, or mm. they, they tread in this gray area. Um, so sometimes I, I get frustrated because, you know, Spikes run the gambit of being awful and then, you know, he gets defanged and then he's good and he's like, he wants to be bad. But, and after he got his soul back, part of me was hoping like, oh, okay, okay, here comes the redemption. But then they sort of play around with like, is he good or is he bad again? Um, and I, I remember feeling the same way when I would watch the X-Files and they would do the same thing with Skinner as yeah. like, Oh, he helped them this week, but then he's still being mysterious. And is he good <laughs> or is he bad? And same thing on lost that there's those characters that, that they mine so deeply in their ambiguity of if they're good or bad or where they're at right now. And, and so I, I feel like at this point in the show, I just wanted I feel like I wanted the writers to make up their mind and be like, is he good or is he bad? Just, <laughs> just tell me, tell me what he is. Um, 
but yeah, I, I understand the, the sort of dancing around everything that happened the, the previous season. Um, I don't know. They're, they're both such good actors that no matter yeah. what material they get, they can definitely handle. But that that's just a personal peeve of mine. Um, when characters stay in that sort of limbo space for too long. Eugene, how do you feel about it? I mean, I think you're completely right about the way that they just like, she talked about him, you know, assaulting her without doing it, right? Like, how yeah. dare you say that? Um, I think for the that, like for almost everything else, this show really holds up in the year of our Lord Beyonce 2021, right? <laughs> like a lot of, the, but that storyline in particular doesn't, right? Because yeah. like she still falls in love with him and it's kind of, it's like really depressing to watch that that happen and went through obviously a lot of people before it got on <laughs> got on television. And I think you're right. Like that scene really could have been a moment where she like, you know, I mean he's fucking tied up. Where's he gonna go? Like she like light, you know, like right. lit, light into him about that and like that I told you fucking no and I had to kick you away from me. So like all of yeah. those I completely agree. I will say I do like that there is so much ambiguity with Spike and uh, some of the other characters because I feel like humans are like that too. I feel like there are some people who I'm just like, especially in DC, I'm like, not sure what the what they're up to. You know what I mean? You're just like, <laughs> I think that you're good. Like some, you know, you have a source that like one week they're super helpful and the ne- next week they're calling you at 7.30 in the morning cussing you out. So it's like, there is that, <laughs> it's not a healthy relationship, but it is kind of like, it is something that um, I find very interesting in this show. Um, and I think they with Angel, he was it was a little bit of the same, but he stayed on one track for a long time, and I yeah. think it got boring. Like I kind of got bored with Angel. I know that's maybe not a it's not a popular opinion. I also have never watched the whole se- the whole show of Angel because I was <gasps> so upset that he left her. I know that's insane. <laughs> Eugene, I swear to God, I know, I know. I'm. It has been literally decades, and I probably shouldn't <laughs> be able to watch it by now. Um, and so I swear to God, one day I will. <laughs> but I was like just so heartbroken that he left her that I couldn't watch the show. I also never watched Bones because of it. I was like, I'm still upset with David um, for <laughs> Wait, allowing that to happen. <laughs> Eugene, did you did you though like go and watch the the crossover episodes? Oh my god! Yes, go absolutely. And that's the okay, only. Okay. And then I was always very confused too, right? Because when they were on the WB together, it would go right into it. Uh-huh. Um, which I really loved, but then I wouldn't understand the rest of it. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, why is this guy green? What is this? Like, <laughs> where, like who the hell is this little th- th- this person? Like, I was just so confused by it. Like, who, who's Doyle? Like, all of these things that I like, never understood. Um, my mom has since watched Angel. She was also as upset with him, but she has a, now she's obsessed and trying to force me um, to do so. I think like one of the reasons I really like the scene is because um, despite what it was missing. When he says, um, I think he says the soul is about self-loathing or something like that, which, holy shit, what a good experience or ex- explanation for like, <laughs> like yeah. what life is about and how much time we spend hating ourselves when we shouldn't, yeah. right? When like being a vampire is all about, you know, the thrill of doing whatever you want. Um, and so I just thought like him becoming more human and them saying that was like, oh, maybe we... I don't know. I took I always took it as like maybe we should be a little bit nicer to ourselves <laughs> because 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 if not, you end up tied up to a chair with the vampire slayer yelling. At <laughs> <you>. <laughs> That's what I took out of that. 
All right, so Eugene, uh, the new thing will be your mother and I both will bully you into yes. watching Angel. Literally, going to happen. And I've done so all, all the seasons on iTunes, so it's not like I don't have access to it. Oh, either. so you like have it? Ah. I, yeah, it is an active choice. I've had to tiptoe my way into it. I swear to God, before I die, it will happen. <laughs> Great. So you you will watch Angel so that way you can come back on for when I when we cover Angel. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so we cut to Andrew and Xander again, and <sighs> Xander pisses me off a little bit here. I do love <laughs> Andrew kind of just casually drinking his water and he's like, hmm, that sounds bad. <laughs> like as she and he's like, She's killed more men than smallpox. And he's like, Does smallpox still kill people? <laughs> Uh, how very like Xander, though, to make interrogating Andrew all about himself. Uh, yes. yes. Uh, Both him speak. and Spike do that this whole episode, right? Like, they talk like, it's, it's like, oh, how sad I am. I'm the boys, like, the boys are really complaining with how tough the girls yeah. have been on yeah. them this episode. And, you know, they're both very, like, eye-roll-inducing. Spike's is a little bit more... Like right. aggressively bad, where Xander's is just like, God damn it, Xander, just like be a little bit better than this. Oh no, but, but Andrew's like, Oh yeah, I saw Spike having sex with Anya that one time. Yeah. <laughs> right, <exactly. laughs> that we'll would be the, the one the one gay guy in the house, like spilling everyone's like secrets and drama. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god, can you imagine like a reality show just set like in the house <laughs> during season seven? I mean, I guess that's that's actually just storyteller, really. Yeah, I love that. Just in was like, so yeah, I, I saw them having sex one time. It was okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Takes a sip of water. Uh, so Anya comes bursting into the room and is like, you liar! And just like shoves him on the ground. And I love Xander tries to pull her back and she just fucking slaps Xander and the way she mouths like, ooh, sorry. <laughs> so, so good. good. <laughs> um... Then where the hell are we, Philip? Um, so then, oh, so Buffy, I think Buffy like walks in. Um, oh, oh right, and, and it's it's a bit like uh, that um, meme from Community where Troy walks back into the apartment and everything's on fire. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> so she, walks into, she walks into the bedroom and um, Anya is like put, like fist raised, about to strike Andrew, and Xander's just like sat there like looking on. Um, <laughs> she's like, "Everything okay?" And they're like, "Yeah, it's fine. It's very um." It's very like a post nine eleven like uh, torture is okay vibes in Don't do that to my girl Anya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't bring Anya into that. Uh, yeah. Sorry guys. Uh, so yeah, so, Buffy, uh, so then Buffy's about to walk back into the other room, uh, but she hears Spike talking to himself and of course he's talking to the first. She hears a little bit of his trigger song. And then when she walks back in, Spike is acting very, very differently. He's a lot calmer. He's a lot more sort of like sinister with how calm he is and how like just unresponsive right. almost. And then basically he flips out and then um, jumps through the wall uh, to, to get Andrew. And, and let's be honest, Spike biting Andrew, probably the hottest thing to ever happen in Andrew's life. <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> I mean, I was like, oh, like, what do I need to do for that to be me right now? <laughs> To have to have Spike bust through a wall to want your blood so bad. I'm, I'm I, mean, yeah. I have I have been inside and alone for a year and a half. <laughs> um, and I I can remember like that because I mean you mentioned earlier Philip the cut to commercials. I remember that cut to commercial and I was like ah oh, I like loved seeing Andrew in this episode, but I was like oh he's definitely gonna die here because the show loves killing people off. So I really was like oh yeah he's mm -hmm. dead. Like there's no way he's gonna survive. <laughs> but I was glad he did. Um, Buffy knocks Spike off. Um, 
<laughs> so then we, I forget the way they like, is, is it just like, oh, it's a cut to Buffy telling everyone hap- what happened. And I love the theme of Dawn saying, she's like asking how what's his name is doing about Andrew and how that's like, we're still continuing to like, no one knows who he is. Um, <laughs> He's Tucker's brother. Yeah. <laughs> and Xander even says they had to tie him up, so but mostly so he'd stop scratching his bandages. <laughs> um, and the the thing I like about Buffy here, which I do like, I feel like from season, seasons five and seven are the times we get, and three too, the most confident version of hmm. Buffy Summers, which like I fucking love. Like I love that she's like, well, I heard him singing. I heard these things happening. Um, she's like putting together the pieces without the Scoobies, which I guess is kind of a theme of the season as well. But like, she's not stupid. Like she's very, you know, she noticed Spike was different the moment she walked in, even though he was trying to pretend to be like, everything's fine. Um, And I do like that Buffy is on it. Um, And she says she heard him singing and Anya has that line of, maybe it's another musical, much (laughs) crappier musical. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wait, does, does there, I love the musical episode. Am I the only one? Because oh, I know. Oh, that I love it. love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. It's so I like literally still sing um, "Walk Through the Fire" to myself sometimes. Like I'm oh, like, oh, me I'm too. Okay, good. I love good. that. One. I would have to leave otherwise. Like <laughs> before the before the pandemic, um, I did a live show at Stonewall in New York, and two, I had two drag queens. Oh my perform, god! They performed um, "Under Your Spell" and. <laughs> The opening number was I'll Never Tell, and the drag uh-huh. queen had me be Xander, and she was Anya, and we, like, danced to it. Um, oh and it was God. a lot of fun, but yeah, that was, like, I love that episode so it's much. so I, good. I tend to think, and hands up, I'm not a musical person, but I love the Buffy. Like, I always say Buffy's my favorite musical. <laughs> <laughs> Just like my brain is broken, so anything Buffy, I'm gonna love. Literally, literally. You're, you're, you're desperate for Twitter gays to just like come at you. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it opened the floodgates. It, it really opened the floodgates for every other show to try. I mean, Grey's right. Anatomy tried it, Flash tried it. Like also a good musical. Yeah, just it, it was so formative to, I mean, to other shows. The magicians did it a couple of times. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and I, I, the thing that Buffy did, because like I just liked the idea of it being a silly, fun way to get the characters involved in a musical. Um, but yeah, Eugene, I don't know. I feel like the only, the only friends I have that love Buffy but maybe don't love the musical are like my straight friends. Yes, <laughs> right. And we can't listen to them, you guys. Yeah, their, their opinions. Are <laughs> We're not to Sorry to all the straight men that Sorry, are on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> they will be but, fine. Yeah, they'll be fine. <laughs> um, so Xander mentions it's a trigger. I do love that Willow asks if it's leftover from his military days, and he's like, "No, it's because I saw a lot of movies." Because I, I will tell a side story of I recently was in New York. I was visiting New York for a week, and I went out to brunch with a friend who did unlimited mimosas. But I just got one because I had to like do a recording. I was like, oh, that's weird. There's crushed glass in this. And then I spit a piece of the crushed glass or crushed ice out and it was glass. Um, and I had swallowed some. And my, oh my friend God. who was drunk was like, do I have to bring you to the hospital? And I was like, I've seen enough prison shows to know it takes a lot of glass to kill you. This is fine. <laughs> oh, oh my God. That is not where I thought that when you see you know, like side story and you were like, I almost died by taking glass. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't almost die. I'm fine. Right? What <laughs> prison shows have you watched where people eat enough glass to die, but not? 
not enough glass to be okay. It was a plot in Orange is a New Black. They're like feeding oh, someone right. glass slowly. Oh. And the person doesn't die for like a few weeks of like eating glass every day. Well, hopefully this was oh, more than like a few gosh. weeks ago for you. <laughs> yes, it was okay, it was good. actually a full it was a week ago right now, as um, of today. We're still I don't know, it feels like we're still in the danger zone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but so then we cut to Robin Wood. He's burying Jonathan's body, um, which again, like Eugene and I were talking about, like they really like were playing on the mysterious role of like who is Robin Wood? What is he doing? <laughs> and DB uh, Woodside does like an extra creepy dead-eyed stare in these yeah. scenes. Like they're really leaning into that red herring of he could be a villain. Um, but I also just realized, like, so he stumbles across Jonathan's body in the cellar. Does that mean that these the last three episodes have all, have all taken place in like the last, like what the space of a day or two? Yeah, yeah. Because that body is fresh. Right. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Freshly killed. <laughs> because they're still in the beginning. They were fixing up the basement or the living room, and they were wearing the same clothes they wore in the end of the previous episode. And conversations with dead people when it ends, the next episode picks up like with Willow finding Dawn in the living mm, room that's, that's still... So it's like, like 24 hours then. Yeah. Like, oh god, they like they can't get a break. This is this is what happens like when I watch like very um, heavily serialized stuff, I'm just like, oh, like, you haven't slept in weeks. <laughs> right. I'm like, give them a scene where they sit down and have dinner, like... <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so, we we find Spike chained up in the basement. We get more of their conversation but the the bit that i do love is spike asks if he hurt anyone and she's like you took a big bite out of andrew but he'll be fine and he says who <laughs> which is very good so i love the idea he says who about a man he almost murdered <laughs> literally <laughs> i mean i feel like me waking up next to some people um <laughs> so, i do i do enjoy the ongoing joke that andrew is just tucker's brother but then i'm i'm gonna be a huge nerd on you Oh, yeah. I never met Tucker, but At he all. did meet Andrew in season six because he threatened his Boba Fett doll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> his action figure, Philip. Oh, he's <laughs> children. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, again, they're seeing where they're talking about stuff here. That the, the two of them, I can understand why people like love the Spuffy ship so much because the, they really. For how much Sam Geller doesn't like Buffy with Spike, the two of them have very good chemistry, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, which is a credit to both their acting because, you know, she didn't even like Buffy with Spike, but she, like, commits to the acting and sells it. Mm-hmm. Of, oh, these two people, whether... At this point, whether you think Buffy's in love with him or not, she, you can tell she has love for him, right? Like, she tells him she believes in him. She tells him she saw him changed. She tells him she saw that he changed, even when he's like... Uh, like I know how much blood you can drain from a girl just so they cry but don't die um and he's like all the stuff I did to like girls dawn's age I don't know I'm but I'm like in my brain I'm like oh I do want you two to kiss like I do (laughs) (laughs) Um, I so uh, when I was watching this I I had completely forgotten that this scene existed until I rewatched this episode earlier today um and Part of me is just like, logically, why doesn't Buffy just kill him? She knows he's being used to like kill innocent people. When Angel posed a threat, she made the choice to kill him. Mm. And she loved him so much. And this is like, I, 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 I just, yeah, I, I was like, from a place of, uh, you know, 
detachment. I was like, mm. and also like like every in the you know looking at everything he did to her over like the previous season. It's just like I don't know. There's a lot of episodes this season where it's like Buffy and Spike just talking and talking. It's very much like that. Those straight people who think their relationship is fucking fascinating. And it- <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, think, like, I, I do agree like because she says at a later time like she's talking to giles i think and you know when right. she couldn't kill um dawn to save the world and like now she would make a different decision right and like so spike's the same way like it, he, it should make more sense to just stab his little ass and move on right like if you don't <laughs> love him but the thing that i've always loved about um and sometimes hated about the character buffy was that she was always so human like when it came down to it, I don't think she would have killed Dawn, even in season seven. Like, she was the superhuman, but at the same time, she was always so tender with her yeah. friends, you know, quote-unquote friends and and members of her family. Like, no matter how bad people were, she, like, forgave them really quickly. Yeah. Um, and especially when it was, in ser- when she was, like, in service of the mission, right? Like, if she knew this person could help her save the world, it's, like, really selfless not to kill them because he's, like, really annoying her and, like, you know, trying to kill her friends. And Spike, I think, for the shippers, I'm always. I always want a Buffy to be by herself, mm. <laughs> like, just like have a a normal like Riley. I really loved that relationship because it was just like, Ooh. oh, he's just like he's much weaker than her, and she's in charge, and he is kind of there. Like I like that. Um, mm-hmm. And Spike was always the fuckboy that she couldn't let go. Right? Like, yeah. He he says to her, I think in this scene, like you you like men that hurt you. You need that. Um, like it's a fuckboy telling you that he's a fuckboy. Let him go, right. right? Like he's telling you I'm bad for you, and you still won't do it. Also, he could kill himself, just to be clear. So why he's <laughs> like we're, we're putting, like I just realized I'm putting a lot of pressure on Buffy to do it when he could just walk outside and you know at six a.m. and everyone's <laughs> fine. You're not wrong. <laughs> now that I think about it, he could do this himself. As much as he told her to kill him, he could do it himself. Yeah, I I have this theory that like um, so he was saying you know the conversation they had earlier in the episode where he basically says like our relationship was just a symptom of her self loathing. Hmm, um, mm-hmm. I think that even at this point in the show, even though she says that she doesn't hate herself that way, I think she does, and yep. she keeps Spike around because then there will always be somebody who is more disgusting and, and awful and and lower than her um yeah. and she likes sort of you know she, she, it's like in conversations with dead people where she has that superiority and inferiority complex yeah. um it's like she she kind of can't let go of spike because at least she'll never be as bad as him mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. i don't know i i think it's because she does have love for him and it's the tenderness that eugene brought up that like I don't know, but but then you guys mentioned that she did kill Angel and she loved him. So she openly loved him so much, and she still killed him. I don't know. I don't know. But then we get this end, which I fucking love. So good. Oh yes. Like the way she says, "I believe in you, Spike." The look on both of their faces, and then the cut of the power goes out, and immediately the bringers are bursting into the summer's home. Is so good. I think this was like at the time in the season, this was like my favorite fight scene that we had seen because it was like Buffy was surprise attacked that we get to see all of the Scoobies. I mean, Anya and Willow get like knocked out pretty quickly, but I just, I think it's really cool and really like fun. It's like it's close quarters too, which yeah. is not where a lot mm-hmm. of the fights happen on Buffy. Like they're usually outside or like in some big fucking warehouse or something like, but they're like right. very in close quarters. And then it was a reminder that they're not safe. Like, yes. as much as the house has gotten attacked, it wasn't, like, this many people, usually, over yeah. the years. Um, and it usually ended pretty quickly. But this was, like, 
there is nowhere safe for Buffy or anybody in this anymore. And because these people can get in, like there's they, there's nothing you can do. You always have to be on your guard. Yeah, yeah. I did love seeing Dawn actually being able oh, to yes. really hold her own and defend herself. Like yes. that, that was very rewarding. I I will say I wish we had gotten to see Willow do a little. Like it makes sense that Anya <laughs> makes sense that Anya wouldn't be as much of a like big fighter unless she has her demon powers. But I would have preferred seeing Willow get a little bit like to do more, but because I, mean, I, I think... her out because then otherwise she would just magic them all away. Right. Like she, she creates a, pr- a plot problem because yes. uh-huh. Willow is all powerful. So like you have to kind of like get her off the board. <laughs> much, much in the way of like, I feel like a lot of the Marvel folks have said they had that problem with Scarlet Witch in like the previous films. Like they kind of just had to knock her out because otherwise she would be able to destroy everyone. And yeah, I think yeah. that happens with like the super powerful characters. It's like, you got to knock them out first. Otherwise, what the fuck this will be over um, <laughs> but yeah i love i love buffy bursting through that basement door and getting right back up to fight like that's like i love that kind of buffy fight where it's like we're smashing shit but we're still in it um <laughs> again and from how a she, budgetary like, point of view it's very budgetarily friendly so they can <laughs> use all the cgi on blowing up the watchers council and opening up the Hellmouth. <laughs> I, I hadn't thought about that but you are definitely right <laughs> um oh i love that so then she runs upstairs because she thinks they're there for andrew um and i love that she uses andrew's body to like fight <laughs> the bringers <laughs> it's just him gay screaming the whole yeah. time which would be me same <laughs> the, the thing is like most i think of the reason why gay people are obsessed with andrews because we're like or that we could that probably be me like that would yeah. be my, as much as i would love to be like i'm buffy or i'm fake like i would be andrew like tied to the chair screaming <laughs> like, t- telling people's business being like spike had sex with um Anya. you know like just not <laughs> no not helpful at all like literally exactly right and the, i mean don's whooping ass and using his body which they like she does it a couple times throughout the seasons and and after she learns how to fight from Buffy and they talk about it she's like you know I learned that from watching you like using people's body to turn flip them over which I always thought was one I always thought I could do it if someone came to attack me it hasn't happened yet but in my (laughs) head that is the that'd be my go-to move um (laughs) and so like seeing seeing all of that was really exciting I I mean we all thought Andrew was the one they wanted right Right. Um, yeah. And so you're like, oh, there, she she's saving. She's saving. She's getting the right one. And lo and behold, not so right. much. So then they, yeah, they. She's like, wait, Spike, and they have taken Spike. Um. So yeah. So they, like, it's she kills the ones she kills. The other ones escape with Spike. And again, we get Buffy. She immediately looks at that bringer, the one that's like dead or unconscious in the living room, and she's like, I know who these people are. Like she. As like right now, she put all the pieces together. She knows what the season's gonna be. She's like. You know, she says like, oh, the demon's haunting us. The people speaking to us. It's all the same. We're up against the first evil. Like she knows. And I love that Buffy. I love the Buffy that like, you know, she, while the Scoobies are helpful, it's like she can put the pieces together herself. You know, it's, you know, like what Giles said, how she doesn't really need a watcher anymore. Hmm. She needs support, but she doesn't like, she can figure out the evil or the big bad that she has to fight. She can figure it out. Right. Like. At this point, we've earned that for this character, like seven seasons of watching her fight demons, that she would, you know, 
remember that, oh, I know what this is, you know? Well, especially Which is also good memory, because I feel like I wouldn't remember that. <laughs> but this was like, I've never seen this person before. Right. Who is this guy with these weird eyes? <laughs> but I mean, it, I suppose it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, because the first was the one that tried to get Angel to kill himself. Mm. So it's like, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe, like, I mean, maybe, you know, I'm just projecting this, but like, it would have been fresh in her mind that, you know, she's kind of been in this situation before. And oh, like, what was the common factor? It was the first evil. Yeah. Um, so then we cut to the Watchers Council. And like I said before, it's wild that we get all of these like actors doing these like literally five. Dominic, how long do you think they had to have them on set? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, uh, what? There was a scene a little bit earlier in the episode with Quentin, too. Yeah. Um, and then this. He's there at the head of the table and then he gets up and he. Oh, no, maybe that was earlier on. No, I mean, is, this is where he's at the table. Yeah. Um, a day, right? Like a day, like maybe even three quarters of a day. They might have been <laughs> able to do this and then go and do like Willow and Andrew at the butchers. Yeah, in one day. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a I'm not a line producer, but yeah, <laughs> not more than a day. Because right, because it's like all together. I think maybe ten minutes of the watchers. Uh huh. If that, yeah, yeah. But I, I remember when I watched this thinking, oh, cool. The Watchers are going to finally fucking help Buffy. They're going to go to Sunnydale. They're going to help. And then, oop, nope, they blow up. <laughs> and, and there's a I lot must of- say, like, it's kind of satisfying to see Quentin <laughs> blow up. Or, like, you know, the <laughs> all these years. Like, you know, after everything. Yeah. And he, like, yeah. he dies at his most pompous because he has just quoted the Bible and Winston <laughs> Churchill. <laughs> I, I, I think like this was when like see like this episode i think i may have said it already but this episode in season seven of overall felt like this isn't this isn't kids games anymore like it's the ultimate growing up you know buffy at some point starts to lose some of her friends and her mm. the relationships from her childhood start to change there are no more adults in the room they literally just blew them up right like you it's like yeah. when you grow up and you look around and you're the adult in the room which is a yeah. Like one of the most terrifying things about growing up, like where's the adult to help me? It's like, oh shit, that's me, I guess. And I think that is what um, they're kind of like signifying here is that like, oh no, this is we're not playing anymore. They're throwing all the spaghetti at the wall now. Yeah, and so literally that's like a five minute scene, and then we cut to Spike getting cut. Uh, the first shirtless. evil's talking shirtless. Yes, important. Um, which wow. I do love. That the, even even the first evil is thirsty and is like, <laughs> you look at your shirt off. So I'm glad we're doing it this way. <laughs> <laughs> that's us as villains <laughs> um oh and also the first evil also refers to andrew as what's his name <laughs> like, you haven't even been talking to him for days right yeah uh but so then we meet our like when she's like now spike you want to see what a real vampire looks like and like the final beat is the Turakhan like coming up through the seal. And I can remember being so mad because they they told you when the new next new episode would be. And it was like, I even looked it up because I was like, I think I had to you had to wait a month. And it was like oh, this was? aired November 26th. Yes. The next one didn't air till December 17th. So it was yes. almost a full month. And I can remember like hating having to wait for that next new episode. Oh, that's so interesting. Cause I, I don't know, Philip, if you remember, I feel like we were maybe a month, six weeks, maybe two months behind a lot of shows um, at that point in time. I know now with streaming, everything sort of glows global at the same time. 
but email, I know there was always um, anything that aired in the States, there'd be like a couple of weeks delay uh, and then it would either come out on like Sky One or the BBC. I think oh my God, how yeah. sad. Season seven, I I don't, it's on Sky. I don't ever remember having to wait more than a week for, oh, really? for a resolution to, to anything like this. And same thing with um, Lost. I think we were sort of a full year behind what was going mm. on on Lost when you first started and uh, 24 start all those things um, huh. they would air week by week and we would never have the the odd breaks that you have except for the like hiatus between seasons I mm. never remember having to wait sort of mid-season for anything to be resolved yeah it happened I, I remember this too because and it happened a lot I feel like with yeah. Buffy maybe other shows too but because Buffy was the show that I was so obsessed with growing Same. up um, <laughs> like I remember being like god Damn it, again? <laughs> like two, we'll see you in two weeks or whatever the hell they would yeah. get after. Um, and this one hurting, especially because one, we didn't know what this per- this thing was, right? Like right. And no name, no nothing. Um, is Did Spike have to bleed out for this to end? Like, not, like no information at all. And, and you still have the Giles cliffhanger too. Right, oh my God. Yes. Oh my God, yes. Because they had that on the previously on for this episode. Right. Never uh-huh. it. So like you are led to assume that one of the watchers who has already been assassinated, as Quentin refers to, is Giles. Right. 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 Um yeah, I the the I, I this season I feel like it was especially rough, the like cliffhangers, because all the episodes do kind of like like bleed into each other because it's one after the other. Um And they like, also I, said I, that like Faith was coming back months later yes, or something. Eugene, uh, Eugene, I feel like we're becoming best friends because I was literally just fucking about to say the worst part was when they yes. were like, Faith is coming back, but you had to wait like two months to see Faith. It was so, and then it had, like it, it, there was the crossover to Angel. Yep. So if you didn't watch Angel, you still didn't, you were like two weeks, you still didn't know. It was a nightmare. Yes. A nightmare. Nothing worse has happened to a human being longer <laughs> than waiting to find out when Faith was actually coming on the show. That's where all our issues are. Exactly. That's where my trauma comes from. <laughs> And now for a quick break. Folks, do you love movies? The good ones? Even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies. So much so they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the 20th anniversary of the cinematic masterpiece Josie and the Pussycats, to comfy sweatshirts made for the brave members of the Movies by Yourself Club. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors, like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks, and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with the code SUPERSLAYERFEST, all caps, no spaces, at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies, y'all. And 
And now for a fashion roundup of uh, this episode of Buffy, we have season seven costume designer, Matt Van Dyne. Hello, Matt. Well, hello. Here we go again. <laughs> We're back. We're back. <laughs> We're back. Uh, so what do you have for us for Never Leave Me? Oh, Never Leave Me. Well, you know, as I'm watching the shows, uh, you know, I, I'm like some, some, some shows I have, you know, specific memories, some shows, not so much. Mm. This would be like uh, one or two memories, you know, of this show. <laughs> and what I'm thinking is, I was just trying to think in my mind what was going on at the time. Is I think this is about the time Terry, the the initial costume designer, was transitioning and leaving. So I was mm-hmm. probably, you know, busy running around a lot. Yeah, running around a lot, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but what I do have, I do have some notes, you know, as I was watching the. Definitely the memory at the end of this episode. We'll, we'll go from the, the end to the beginning, I guess. Okay. Okay. So uh, at the very end of the episode, the Uber van, who mm-hmm. rises up out of the seal. I went, oh, yeah, I remember this. And I remember, <laughs> <laughs> I remember that was a big deal because, uh, you know, and I was looking it up where we, like, shopped to create mm. this Uber van. And it was like a, a fabric store in downtown Los Angeles called Michael Levin. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I looked up, you know, what we spent. It wasn't a lot of money at the time, you know, mm-hmm. as I recall. You know, I'm thinking, but I think we just augmented something maybe we already had. I'm not sure. Okay. But, and I was also looking <laughs> for, um, he wears a unitard under the, under the outfit, you know. Okay. So, and that, that just made me laugh because it came from a dance studio, Carabelle. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know, you know, the dancing Uber van. But, <laughs> but yeah, ballet. yes. And, and then, you know, re, in reviewing, I, I recognize, I, I think I caught a glimpse of Spike wearing the black leather pants. And I do have some notes about uh, black leather pants. DKNY, you know, Donna here in New York, okay. leather pant. And it was, they were uh, from, I, I'm not sure what store we bought those, but they were around like $550, $600, something like that. Oh, and sure. and uh, I think in the rest of the episode, we went with uh, some Levi's because that's a little cheaper. So, uh, and I, I had a note on that as well saying, you know, oh, you know, that we had Levi's for him, uh, later, later in somewhere in that episode, there are Levi's black Levi's he's wearing. And, and I do remember, okay. So I, as I'm watching the show, I remember Anya's Emma popular, mm. uh, little blue with the red poppy floral yes. top. I remember it, but I couldn't find any notes on it <laughs> anywhere. So we probably bought it previously like you know oh, okay. at another time and then inserted it into this she episode. looks great in that top isn't it isn't that great i mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a memorable top i do remember it when i looked at it i went oh yeah i remember that <laughs> and and then uh i had a note on which always makes me laugh uh michelle trachtenberg played dawn mm-hmm. uh her purple sweater that she wears and that was, uh, uh, of course, Michelle's favorite designer, Mark Jacobs. And it was Ooh. from Bloom- Bloomingdale's. She looks great in that color, I think. Yes, she does. She does. She, and she's just a doll. She's just so yeah. cute. But it was like, you know, like $128 top or something like that. Okay. You know? okay. But I don't think we had to do any multiples on that because I don't think she got beat around in that. So, so, <laughs> so. And then uh, Andrew just has on, and uh, it's an in-house black 
little shirt from Bloomingdale's. It was uh, their their in-house brand. I think they call it Metropolitan something. I forget what the okay. line is called. And uh, I do recall Sarah's little gray top when she morphs into the first, I guess. Okay. Uh, but I, I don't have any notes on that. Now, I think, hadn't she worn that previously? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I thought so. That just came back to me just now. I thought, oh, that was something we repeated. And I'm, I was trying to remember. Yeah, she wears it a couple times when it's like the first as her. I yeah. thought so. I thought so. It's almost, I think it's almost like to signify, oh, you know that the that's the first because the first, it wears yes, that last. I her. think that was it. I think that was yeah. the, the thinking that we had with it. And then the uh, other little uh, note I had was on Emma's uh, little talk with the deer on the front of it. Okay. Do you, you know that little the green, brown, one. Yeah, green yeah. brown top and that came from bloomingdale's and that was a donna karen top as well and okay. and it wasn't super expensive or anything but i i thought it was kind of interesting you know the the, the juxtaposition with her like beating up <laughs> you know someone <laughs> and then you know wearing that top i thought that well that's pretty cute i like that you know <laughs> I do have one shirt I need to ask you about. Okay, though. yeah, see if I have any memory. So, um, and you've you've pointed this out that how sometimes like you do think the women like those, and I agree with you, the fashion they wear could uh-huh. be in style now. Yes, but some of like the Xander Zander, outfits are I a little baggy. Are we going to Xander? <laughs> I just knew we were going yeah. to Xander. The rest, the rest shirt probably. But yeah. yes, you put him in a very nice fitting t shirt at one point. And it looks great on him. In that episode? The, is he in a... Yeah. Is it a, a dark shirt? Is dark, yes. Dark it's just a t-shirt. And yes. it looks great on him. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I'm wondering if you had any notes on that. because that I, is, I, You know, I'd have to go back. It's probably just something uh, from probably Banana Republic. I'm, I'm guessing. Hmm. All right. Just You know, which their, their t-shirts uh, actually still to this day, I think fit pretty well. They're very, um, they're fitted and the, the sleeve is uh, caps in the right place and the neckline is, you know, just the right scoop. You know, I just always think that that's a good, good look on a guy. So it's, it's funny, right? Cause sometimes you'll get a t-shirt and it's like the same thing, just a basic t-shirt and it'll look terrible, but yes. sometimes it'll be the oh, same yes. color from somewhere else and it'll look great. Yes, it, it's, it, it's very interesting. Yeah. Because if it's cut, you know, eh, if it's cut more traditional, they, they don't look so great. <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah. Look so great. Well, I do, I do remember you telling me about the cuts for James Marsters and you know, mm-hmm. that was very appreciative. Yes. You, <laughs> you, you did a lot for all of us younger gays watching the show. Well, he didn't, he didn't wear much of a shirt in this episode true yeah you know i think he had on that black shirt at at some point but then after that you know the blood kind of got to me in that episode you know it's like i don't i'm not into that but and it's funny because i had been wondering if you had to style the turok the the, like uber vamp like i was wondering if that was just like oh that's a costume we bought or if it was no no it was it was it was actually made so that's funny is that like a pain is it a pain to make something like that that's not like traditional clothing well it's not a pain it just takes it's just a process it's a process Mm. of making something look older than it is or uh, you know like just doing the the work that you need to do on it to to make it look beaten up or you know of a certain vintage or whatever you know but because yeah. a lot of the times, you know, you start with a piece of leather and it just doesn't look, it looks too clean, too sleek, too chic, you yeah. know. So, but yeah, it's just, it's just about, you know, doing things like that. And then the fun part is, you know, just applying all the different crap to it <laughs> to, make, <laughs> to make it look really uh, worn and, you know, recycled. You know, that's what, that's what's kind of the fun part. 
but uh, but you know, in the unitard that I mentioned, of course, that would would have to be dyed and then right. probably you know painted as well. Uh, as I recall, I'm sure we did do that, you know, to make it age, you know, to age it, you know, mm-hmm. and some, sometimes, you know, like for a lot of clothing we would send, uh, but not this, but there was a place, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it, downtown LA, but you would actually send the clothes there and they would, you know, put like put you know, gravel and rocks and things in a, like <laughs> a, a turbo thing and, you know, just beat the hell out of that stuff, you know? So <laughs> It just depended on how how much you wanted it to be worn looking, you know. But if you right. know, uh, manually, you can only do so much. But you know, if you take it to, to a real professional, they can they can really make it look like you know somebody ran over it with a car. <laughs> 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 and sometimes that is the preferred look. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's how you know we put an uber vamp together we just built one. we just build one you know what a sentence that's how we put an uber vamp together <laughs> uber, uber vamp together yeah which i thought you know as i was watching that i thought well this is a precursor for that i think this is about the time we got the heads up on the uber vamp army for the last episode okay so we had to start preparing for that in a budget and uh actually start making them and that and what we're about halfway through the season yeah and because it's gonna it's gonna so many too (laughs) yes and it's gonna take some time so you know so we started working on that pretty early on and i think that's this was the model for it so you know and then Mm. we just took it from there but uh but as i recall that was about the time yeah it's probably Mm. in the budget if i looked up the budgets and all that for the show. I've, l- I've learned some of your lingo. I was going to say, would that be moved to episode 99? Is that what that is? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that? That's funny. Yeah. Episode 99. How funny. Yes. You were, gosh, you're good. You're a quick study. Yes. Episode 99. That's in my notes. Uh, I go back and look and I go, oh, oh, we put that over there because we can pull from there. That was, yeah, that stock money that you're giving up front, you know. But probably for the Uber Vamp Army, um, we applied for more money because that was not, you know, thought of early on in the season. So, you know, right. so as, as things evolved, we went up, oh, well, we're not going to have money for that. So you guys <laughs> got to come up with some dough for that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which when we get there, I'll tell you a story toward the end about that. Okay. So, okay. there will be a good story. You remind me of it. About, I will. <laughs> about, about building an Uber, Uber vamp army, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll say that one. <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, thank you for joining us. And uh, it was a pleasure as always. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. I'll talk to you later, okay? Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. So now that we're at the end, favorite outfit of the episode, Dominic? Um, I've got to go with Andrew and his leather coat and that introduction. <laughs> um, because it was so well done and written into the script. But I always, I just me as a, a human being, always loved uh, Willow style just throughout the the show. Okay. Just as an aside, but I could never pull that off. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Philip. So I uh, Willow's hair looked great this episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I think my favorite outfit has to go to the one scene where Xander shows his arms in that form fitting t shirt. Oh my god! Yes, God. <laughs> <laughs> Eugene other than the that um it would also I think Anya for some reason I love that like yeah. see-through arm shirt she had on that like yes. it, it was hot and also very 2000s hot like where like mm. those shirts pro- don't happen a lot where there's like all these weird designs on the front 
Um, and I also loved her hair sh- straight and short. Like I, I'm, I, I, you know, a white woman with a bob is like <laughs> my kryptonite. And so like that was, this her whole look, this whole ep- um, episode was really my favorite. Uh, so I, Xander in the tight shirt, I did put as a close second, but yeah. I actually think uh, Dawn looks really cute in that purple turtleneck. Don't I think that do? color looks very nice on her mixed with like her hair color and her makeup. I think she looks cute. Um, and I don't often list Dawn as having my favorite outfit. So I was, <laughs> I, I support you, Dawn. Um, favorite scene, Philip. Um, oof, I think it's going to have to be uh, Xander and Anya going all Guantanamo Bay on Stop doing that to my Anya! <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dominic, what was your favorite scene? Oh gosh, I think uh, Willow and Andrew seeing each other for the first time again, and then their scene in the in the alleyway. Um, that is really good. Yeah, that that's, uh, that's it for me. Eugene, all of those I love so much. I think, but I think the my favorite one is the last one because it like sets everything up. So it's like it wasn't that enjoyable and it wasn't like that interesting. But I just think because it is like it sets up the entire rest of the show. Um, mm. I think it's it was one of my favorites. And again, I remember I remember it more than any of the others because I was so pissed off that I wasn't going to find out about it for <laughs> what actually was going on for weeks. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think. You all said really good scenes. I, this episode really is even better than like, I don't know, you're listing all good scenes. I'm like, yeah, that should have been my favorite scene. But I I think it's like once the power goes out in that mm. fight scene, I just love it so much. And I, Eugene, I think you really like pinpointed why I love it because we didn't often get like, you know, we got the zombies invading the house, but zombies aren't like villains with agency. They're kind of just like, I'm going to eat your brains, right? right? There's no like they're not there to kidnap someone or kill whatever. They don't like give a shit. They're just zombies. So it's like one of the first times we see the summer's house isn't going to protect them. Like these monsters can get in and clearly take, like put up a good fight trying to take out the like Scoobies. Um, So I just, yeah, I love that scene. Uh, What grade do you give the episode, Eugene? I would say um, a B plus, a B plus. It's a, I think it's a really good episode. I think it, you know, it has some of my favorite characters doing some of the best things they do the whole series, um, like Anya. So, I, yeah, yeah, B plus, A minus B plus, like an eighty nine. Okay. <laughs> uh, Dominic, <laughs> uh, I'm going to give it a solid B. Okay, solid B. I think it works better as a whole when you watch sort of a run of these episodes together. Yeah. Like if you'd watch the previous two and then the next two along with it, like in a five episode run. Um, then I think it, it makes it stronger, but on its own, a, a solid B. Cool. Okay. Uh, Philip? Um, I, I, I kind of have to grade it within the context of the whole season. Uh, okay. And it like it's an, it's important connective tissue, but as an episode itself, um, like it, there's some great, great stuff in there, but a lot of it feel, felt, when I was rewatching it, it was like very, very low energy. Basically, like apart from the slaps, and um, <laughs> the the sort of the then like the, the kind of the the fight at the end, which kind of injects the whole episode with a, a sense of urgency, it's kind of been lacking. The rest of it is like it's a lot of like heterosexual moping and nonsense. So I think <laughs> I'm going to give it a C plus. Okay, um, I again agree with Eugene. I give it a B plus slash A minus. It's like very on the cusp uh, because while yeah, it is a part of the whole. I just I think this has very good scenes. Um, where the characters are like all giving it, they're all committing. I mean, this cast always did, but like they're all committing to their individual like side stories and stuff. 
Thank you all for joining us. Thank you all for listening. If you liked SlayerFest 98, you can find us on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you find your podcasts. Feel free to subscribe to us and give us a good rating if you like us. It'd be much appreciated. You can subscribe to our Patreon which uh, right now we're going through the show Harley Quinn over there, um, where you get access to that and our sex talk video series, My Nudie Judy, and a bunch of other content. And uh, if you want to follow us on social, we are at SlayerFestX98. I am at Carlos on all social media platforms. Philip, where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, where, which is where I am a lot of the time when I'm avoiding writing. Uh, that's at Philip underscore Ellis, Philip with one L and Ellis with two. And Dominic, where can everyone find you? I am on Instagram at Dominic Burgess one because someone else got there first. Uh, <laughs> and on Twitter, I'm at just Dominic Burgess because I did get there first. Nice. I That's the reason SlayerFest 98 is SlayerFest X 98 because there's someone who has SlayerFest 98 as their handle. <laughs> uh, Eugene, where can everyone find you? Um, I'm at, at Eugene Daniels, the number two, because I also came there after someone did both on Instagram and Twitter. But I'm the <laughs> second. And my dad has the same name, so it kind of works. Um, all right guys well thank you all for joining us and we'll see you next time bye bye bye